Here they come, your Camarda wealth leaders, slashing taxes, dominating risks, relentlessly pursuing profits, protecting your assets, and keeping you in stitches while leading to greater riches. Your Camarda wealth leaders with Johnny Hotstocks, Camarda, Sonia Embraceable U. Elia, Rob Bulmu Shevlin, also known as the financial anesthesiologist, you'll see why, and me, Jeff, I want to be a doctor, Camarda. You're listening to the Camarda Wealth Leaders on WER, Camarda Wealth Education Radio. Let's face it, wealth matters to living a longer, better life for you and your family. Our goal is to painlessly educate you with uncommonly shrewd advice to help grow and protect your wealth. And while we aim to keep you laughing all the way to the bank, never imagine we're not dead serious about money. Jonathan Camarda is a certified private wealth advisor, certified financial planner, chartered market technician, chartered financial consultant, certified fund specialist, chartered life underwriter, and board certified in mutual funds. Jeff is a certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, chartered financial analyst, certified fund specialist, chartered life underwriter, and board certified mutual funds. He's also an enrolled agent admitted to represent clients with unlimited IRS practice rights, holds a master's of science in financial services, and is a PhD student in the American College's financial and retirement planning doctoral program. Besides being Camarda's chairman and chief investment officer, Jeff is also a working research academic in Wealth Matters. The Camarda team believes deeply in financial education and expertise and is proud to have Dr. Tang Bray as our chief financial analyst, who is also a university professor and working wealth research academic. Camarda Wealth Advisor Group offers private wealth management, including no commission portfolio management through Camarda Financial Advisors and other financial services as described in our boring end of the show disclosure. Folks, welcome to yet another edition of Camarda's Wealth Education Radio. You're here in the booth with me, Jeff. I want to be a Dr. Camarda. And uh, to my left, we have Sonia Embraceable U. Elliot. How are you this morning, Sonia? Doing good. You're good doing morning. Good. You're looking great. Thank you so much. Rob Bulmu Shevlin, how are things in financial anesthesiology land? Slow. Slow? <laughs> <laughs> Sleepy? Huh? Yes. Groggy. Turgid? Uh, Jonathan, uh, Johnny Hotstocks, Camarda, how you doing there, Jonathan? Hola. Back, hola, back from uh, the wilds of Alabama, I think. I'm looking forward to learning about that trip later Rita. on. And uh, speaking about rolling, as the markets continue to, to really roil in the wake of uh, a very tumultuous uh, third quarter, uh, reminiscent, I think, of 2011. Does that remind anybody else of uh, 2011? Yeah, bond markets, definitely. Huh? Uh, we'll get into that later, though, yes. And, uh, and certainly, you know, the, the turmoil in the stock markets has been uh, 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 upheaving. Rob, uh, have you, that, I'm sure that hasn't escaped your notice. No, absolutely. There's uh, all kinds of activity going on, lots of people talking about all this stuff. Yeah, so uh, probably plenty, uh, plenty on TV. But I did want to, you know, maybe call attention to uh, the, what's going on in the bond market lately. And bonds, you know, despite being on top of probably 31-year bull market now since early in the Reagan administration where interest rates have come down and bond prices have gone up, are still widely viewed as a kind of safe harbor. And, uh, um, uh, and that may not be probably the best way to look at it, you think? Any comments on that? Uh, yeah, certainly you're seeing a dis- distribution from high-yield bonds, which are definitely linked to the equity markets, which I'll kind of go into detail later for everyone's... Uh, uh, edification? Edification, but mercifully not now. But yeah, definitely I think you're seeing uh, certainly some flight there uh, to more higher quality. And uh, you know, when that bond yield spread, 
But 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 you know, a good point is that bonds for most of this year actually went down pretty pretty dramatically because people in anticipation of rates going up. And the third quarter, because people were afraid, were buying bonds of almost every stripe, thinking that it's safe haven. Right, right. You saw high yields have a good start, uh, and now they've come down uh, certainly harder than everything else. But you're right, certainly the more uh, your treasury and corporate bonds have been going down the whole year, but not as hard as high yields mm-hmm. recently. But it seems that, you know, that may just be a temporary situation. I mean, you may have a gain there on paper, but unless you liquidate it and you're going to probably pay ordinary income tax on that, you know, if interest rates start going up again, that gain may disappear. Yeah, I think it's really a shimmer. And that, that's, you know, we're, 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 what I was thinking because bonds for the year ended, or long-term government bonds to be specific, for the year ended uh, um, the, the end of the third quarter, September 30th, actually posted a loss. But it did really well during the third quarter, probably from late August through the end of September, because people got scared. They sold stocks and they thought of bonds as, as being a safe haven. But bonds really, you know, can be <clears throat> extremely complicated and uh, not as safe as a lot of folks think. So, you know, one of the, the things I want to talk about, and this is from a Wall Street Journal article in late September called Bond Funds Push Limits. You know, a lot of bond fund managers, mutual fund managers, you know, in, in their quest for yield to goose things up, will often invest in, shall I say, not non-garden variety bonds, you know, derivative-type products or unusual things. Um, and quoting from the journal, some of the largest U.S. bond mutual funds have invested 15% or more of their money in rarely traded securities, a practice that runs counter to long-held securities and exchange commission views on the funds. Um, and the concern is if there is um, the people redeem shares, you know, what would it be? What, what's, the, what's the danger there, you think, guys? Well, they're, not, they're going to get caught and be a strap for cash for redemptions. And they're not going to be able to sell that stuff. If yeah. there's not much of a market for it, especially in high-stress times, and what does that do? And of course, that, you know, that, 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 that has a very negative impact on the value of the mutual fund. So, uh, so bonds are, you know, especially bond mutual funds are, uh, um, the, the, you know, not nearly as simple as a lot of folks would, uh, would like to think. Um, in fact, in the wake of the uh, the debacle with Edward Jones, where they were fined, uh, I don't know, twenty million dollars, I think, uh, for um, uh, unsavory bond practices, not disclosing you know bond markups and so forth, the SEC is really pushing for clarified bond rules to kind of um, shed light on this uh, um, uh, rather mysterious and, and dark corner. In fact, we, Son, you had a, a recent client statement with some very mysterious stuff. Do you remember that? I do. Um, just this past week, and I'm not really sure 100% yet exactly what it is that they do have, but there's a lot of money tied up in them. And also a very big loss just in, uh, just in a month or so. So we, there's, you know, without getting too specific, you know, there are a number of positions on a statement a client brought us that, that he has with, or, or they have with another broker. Um, and uh, we could really, you know, hard figuring them out from the description on a statement, they look like, you know, two th- pre-2008 era derivatives to me, or swaps, interest rate swaps, or something that's not a bond per se, but the interest or the payments are a function of some other activity in another security. Now, we don't know for sure. You tried, you called a couple of bond desks and tried to get some information to pricing. What, uh, what happened? Um, nothing, actually. They, they really couldn't give they us any information. <laughs> if, if they knew what I was calling about, they probably would not have. Um, <laughs> but um, And I went through uh, a, a special repre- representative that we have at our custodian, um, and even he was very vague about the information. And I don't think he was trying to be vague. I think there's just not a lot of information available on these 
particular holdings. But I tell you, we we called one of the biggest bond desks in North America actually, and they could they didn't understand what yeah. it was and couldn't get us any price. Couldn't you find know, them. which is scary. You know, come and come ties back to that Wall Street Journal article. Are these rarely traded securities? Maybe they're not traded at all. Who knows? Well, and how would the client have felt if he didn't realize that? You know that. He, he had that kind of holding embedded in his portfolio. We'll see next week, but I suspect he will not be amused. No, I uh, don't think so. He's <laughs> actually a very conservative fellow, and I think that this was presented to him as a pretty safe-type investment. And getting back to our bonds, you know, even our garden-variety bonds you know, have a lot of un, uh, unappreciated risk, and, and some of these you know, weirder, uh, more esoteric uh, vehicles can really be quite dangerous. So, folks, there's a lot more that lurks beneath the surface of the investing world, and uh, information is power. Know what you're doing. As as we've been preaching uh, for months now, we'd love to get you a copy of uh, this report that we wrote called The Nine Biggest Dangers Facing Today's Investor on How to Avoid Them. It is just chock full of tips to understand what you pay, what the risks are, what kind of securities you actually have, how things fit together. And as we face perhaps a uh, an even more foreboding fourth quarter, who knows? But certainly the world, the investment world, is is on its toes as as it hasn't been in years. Um, this information really can make a huge difference to you, uh, your prosperity, and your family's fortunes um, and uh, financial security. So call for your free copy. You can get it today. Call us at eight hundred two six two one zero eight three. Get a pencil. Write it down. Eight hundred two six two. 1083 for your copy of the nine biggest dangers, and there's a lot of dangers out there. They're rearing their heads all over the place this fall. The nine biggest dangers facing today's investor and what and how to avoid them by calling 800-262-1083. On another topic, and here's another uh, article from the journal. I'd like to cut these out, you know, for interesting things to share with our uh, listening audience. Uh, and the, que- the headline is the question which poses, everybody knows men take more investing risks than women. Is it true? Rob, is that true? What's been your experience? What is your surmise, well, Sir g- Moose? Generally, they have more tolerance for risk. but uh, again, Men do or women do? Well, men, my experience is men do. They have more tolerance for pain. But that's because <laughs> they hang out with women, right? They have to. Uh, uh, I don't want to touch. So touch that Son, you wonder what? Do you think, you know, as a woman, uh, do you think that men take uh, more investing risks than women? I think, think historically that that's probably true. Um, but I mean, throughout the history, um, men have been probably more in charge of the finances for the family and the decision making in the financial areas for families. <clears throat> yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, but I hope that that paradigm is starting to shift um, because, I mean, I'm much more actively involved in the finances for our family than my grandmother was. Um, so I, I think that as... So you're not your grandmother's financial advisor? No, suspect. no. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, um, Jonathan, you care to opine? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go out and catch that Willie Mammoth with a knife, honey. I don't need an actual... Uh, you know, I'm going to gore, gore it with its own tusk. I'm going to go right up to it with a knife. <laughs> Take some risk. All right, so as uh, thank you very much, Jonathan. So uh, we'll have to carry over the break as we tick down here, but a very, very interesting study from Julie Nelson, a professor of economics at the University of Massachusetts in Boston, uh, may, uh, may have some interesting and conflicting uh, light to shed on that dilemma. Because my personal experience has also been that women tend to be more conservative, not always, but typically, 
Uh, but that may not be as obvious as we think. Folks, stay with you, Camarda Wealth Education Leaders. As uh, we ramp up, we're going to get into some really, really interesting topics. Uh, maximizing Social Security, debunking a lot of myths about Social Security that really could cost you a lot of money if you're not well-informed. And, uh, um, then of course, we'll continue with our discussion on women, men, and investment risk. Stay with your Camarda Wealth Education Leaders. Camarda Wealth Leaders' levity is intentional as we aim to be the car talk of financial radio, entertaining, hugely funny, and offering penetrating financial insight and rare expertise across a broad spectrum of wealth-related topics. We're dead serious about money, but want you to have fun, too, and laugh all the way to the bank. Unlike many financial radio shows, this is not one long commercial or constant annuity pitch. I hate those constant annuity pitches. This is Wealth Education Radio, and we aim to share best financial practices that can truly supercharge your wealth. Do we expect some of you will want to become clients? Sure, but because the chemistry is right, and because you come to believe that the wealth leaders, that's us, can get it done better than your other choices. That's your decision. But when it comes to investing, we're fiduciaries. We put our clients' interests first, and that's a promise you can take to the bank. For more information and free reports, call us now at 888-CAMARDA. That's 888-C-A-M-A-R-D-A. Do it now while it's on your mind, folks. Camarda Wealth offers complimentary, that's free folks, portfolio reviews to listeners. Get us your statements and we will thoroughly examine your portfolio, give you opinions on the risk and quality of each position you own, as well as how wisely we believe the whole thing holds together and how efficiently it addresses your needs and goals. At the same time, we'll also opine on how protected your assets are from financial predators, your estate plan, tax savings opportunities, and other ways we can think that you can cut risk, avoid probate, save money, and just plain get richer faster. Did I mention this service was free? Just call us at 888-CAMARDA, that's C-A-M-A-R-D-A, 888-CAMARDA, to set up your free portfolio review now. Folks, you are back with the Commander Wealth Education Leaders here on Commander Wealth Education Radio, continuing uh, with the uh, the discussion of do uh, do men are they men more apt to take investment risks than women? And before I re- reveal the results of the study, any uh, any final comments um, uh, that you occurred to you over the break? Going once, going twice. Go no, ahead. but it is, it's interesting when you have a couple together. And you can and you see that they have varying uh, appetites for risk. How how they try to negotiate uh, what they ultimately how they ultimately want their money invested when you're trying to discern that from them. Yeah, it really is uh, um, uh, is true. Because again, my experience is it's very typically again not always, but and this will kind of key into the study's findings uh, that the woman is a little bit more conservative than the man, and we usually negotiate some midpoint between them, you know, that uh, to satisfy them both. Uh, but uh, Professor uh, Nelson from the University of Massachusetts uh, concluded that there really is not a statistical, meaningful, significant difference between men and women. And she said that the, the overlap lines and uh, risk appetites between men and women uh, the distributions generally exceeded 80%. So most of them were the same. And it's in so many things, um, it was the outliers that really made the difference, at least in the academic studies. Uh, and she said if the, if the average woman, say, posited as 80, has 85% of the, uh, the average risk score of, uh, of men, it doesn't mean the women on average is 50% less risk-taking than a man. It just means that they're a little bit less uh, apt to take risk. 
And they said the over overlap was 80%. In some cases, it was 90 to 95%. Um, so it really is quite, quite interesting, you know, and contrary to our, you know, common, you know, non-scientific um, uh, uh, observations, um, and I really wonder why it is that they, they appear to be that way. And then there, is the measurement different than the sorts of questions that we ask when we measure risk tolerance? Well, the, uh, and the other thing is the, the emotional response on some of these things. I mean, we, we've had a recent client that we've been working with who's uh, a widow, and she's extremely conservative, but yet has longevity in her family, and she really wants to take very, very little risk, but yet she's probably going to need some if she really wants to have a better lifestyle. And I think that affects and a lot of people think that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any concluding comments, uh, Sonia, for as the, uh, the sole woman in the booth? No. How do you, well, let me, let me ask you a question, Sonia. <laughs> lean back and, and just listen to the sound of, uh, of Rob snoring. Did <laughs> 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 I say snoring? It's so, so soothing. <laughs> boy, oh boy, his, his wife's been asleep for three weeks. The, uh, <laughs> um, Here's the question. You know, in terms of you're a sophisticated, uh, well-studied financial gal, you know, how you've studied markets and seen a lot of, you know, what we do in our portfolios and for our clients, would you say that your personal risk appetite in terms of your family planning is uh, uh, for investments now, not for, for growing things, but for investments? <laughs> Our husband has a nursery business. Is, is uh, you more risk-averse than Mike is when it comes to investments? No. And, and what would you attribute that to? You know, your, just your greater knowledge of how financial markets operate and understanding of the, the association between risk and, and reward or... Um, well, I think that it's probably exposure, not just here, but growing up, um, my dad was very involved in the stock market. My mother was in finance, and so it was a big topic, you know, since I was a kid. Um, so I just think it makes me more aware of of um, the need for risk and how to um, measure it. Yeah, when you say the need for risk, you mean the, the, the opportunity for profit yeah, from risk. Right. And right. interestingly, we had a chat with a male client yesterday you know, who's really been quite successful and made a lot of money and has really been caught up in, in the, uh, the correction now, and he seemed extremely risk-averse, you know, surprisingly, wouldn't you say? It was a very different conversation than what we've had in the past. Yeah. Everybody wants to take risks while the market's going up, but real, and that's why it's so important and it's such an important therapeutic aspect of financial advisors to really assess if people have the emotional stamina uh, to accept the risk, or accept the downside of that risk during bad markets. Because if they don't and they sell at the wrong time, they can really hurt themselves. Right. People are risk-averse by nature. I mean, generally, they fear risk more than they fear not gaining. And that's just proven. Uh, it's taught in most, uh, most investment textbooks. Yeah, that's so. so-called, you know, loss aversion. Absolutely. All right. Any other comments, uh, Rob? No. No? Nope. Okay. So uh, here's the – before we get into uh, um, the – why don't we begin the Social Security discussion? We'll do that now because I know this is going to probably take a couple of segments here. Um, and Sonia, I know you have been very, very meticulous in preparing uh, the main course of our show today, which is uh, myths about Social Security. And I'm going to begin our resident Social Security ex- experts, or Sonia, um, the uh, embraceable, uh, no, embraceable you, Alia, and Rob Bolt-Moose, financial anesthesiologist. Uh, you guys are most studied in Social Security. So let me ask you a question, either of you. Um, is it true... That when you work and pay Social Security taxes, Uncle Sam puts your tax money in an account under your name so that when you retire, you get your money back with interest. 
No, actually, that is not true. It's um, not. It is not true. Um, it's a pay-as-you-go system, so you're welcome, Dad. I'm paying your Social Security benefits today. What does that really mean, a pay-as-you-go system? I think that's, you know, uh, so Well, we're paying kind of into the system today to support the folks that are on Social Security right now. So our Social Security taxes aren't going into our accounts. They're being no. spent immediately. Is that what you mean? Is that what is going, 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 gone? Well, the, mon the money is available to pay for the Social Security recipients, but in the meantime, you know, the Social Security is tracking the, the wages that people earn and, you know, has an ongoing calculation about what expected future retirement Yeah, but I think, I think the point is the money that if I put $2,000 in my Social Security, you know, in Social Security, remit Social Security uh, FICA taxes this year, that two thousand dollars isn't set aside for me. That's correct. It immediately right. is spent on you know on somebody else's you know somebody's retired right? right. So let's picture a jar where we pour water into it, and the jar has a hole in the bottom. Mm -hmm. That would be Social Security. That was very helpful. Thank yeah. you, Jonathan. And very calming. That really that really just puts the point. So I want to you know do I want to pour money in, do I pour water in the top of the jar, or do I want to be there at the bottom of the jar where it's <laughs> where it's pouring out? So. Um, Social Security tax that you pay during your career help pay for the benefits re that I received by my retired mother and father. And today, the Social Security taxes paid by my children are helping to pay for Social Security benefits I receive each month. It gets spent immediately. Jonathan, you had a question. Uh, yeah, you know, what I was wondering is, is that, um, you know, because over people's lifetimes, over that span, people get less money from Social Security and, and Medicare, for that matter, than they paid in. Uh, you know, in their taxes for both social and Medicare. Uh, I'm just kind of curious if that uh, if that's actually true or just something I've heard by the water cooler. That most people get less back than what they paid in? Is that uh, the question? That would be the question. Right. Well, the answer is that's not really true. There was a study done a couple of years back by the Urban Institute that looked at at the taxes paid and the benefits received by a, a variety of different categories of people, single men and women, married couples at different you know, earnings levels, and in all cases, the individuals and couples that retired at normal retirement, age 65, received more back in benefits in Social Security and Medicare combined than what they paid in in taxes. And I have a very good example of where you can, of the extreme of that. My mom and dad were very middle-income people, um, and, uh, you know, they paid in, but I can tell you, in the last year, with my father being ill and passing away last year and my mother having to go to the hospital three times since December, Medicare has paid out over $700,000 in benefits to, to pro medical providers for my mom and dad. And I can tell you, my mom and dad didn't pay $700,000 in, in taxes. God, God bless Uncle Sam for that. But I wonder, and uh, we'll have to wrap up here and continue later on in the show, but I wonder what the distribution is based on Income, you know, income. If, if folk higher income folks are taxed more, get but get back net less, especially at the taxation of Social Security. And we don't have that information now, but I bet that the, on on average, this is truer for average wage earners or lower age earners than, than it might be for those later on. Folks, uh, um, and again, the mysteries of the investment uh, world and Social Security and finance and estate planning and so forth really can be very overwhelming unless you have good, solid financial education and information like we try to provide to you on a weekly basis. Hope you find it useful. And uh, again, do get our report, The Nine Biggest Dangers Facing Today's Investor and How to Avoid Them. It is just chock-packed 
of salient tips that you can really, without a whole lot of time or effort, you know, once you really get the kernel of knowledge, can apply in your situation uh, perhaps to a very dramatic effect. It can really make a big difference in your life, especially now with what's going on in the markets. So call for your free copy, 800-262-1083. No cost, no obligation, no strings, no sales pressure, just good, solid financial information. Your report, 800-262-1083. That is 800-262-1083. We'll uh, be continuing uh, the Social Security uh, with, uh, the discussion with a lot of uh, really important information that you can use coming up uh, after the break, as well as getting ahead of worsening news. You know there's been another IRS tax account breach, and uh, um, uh, 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 100,000 uh, more taxpayer accounts have been uh, affected. We'll tell you all about it after the break. Stay with us. You're Camarda Wealth Education Leaders. You're listening to the Camarda Brothers plus the Antlin Rob on WER Wealth Education Radio. Better planning, better wealth, better wealth, better life. Tell your friends about the Camarda Wealth Leaders right here on this station. This show is recorded, but you have questions to be answered privately or on the air if you wish or want free reports or other educational materials. Uh, call 888-CAMARDA. That's 888-C-A-M-A-R-D-A.